Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jerry Park. Lights aren't all the way down yet, but I'm feeling grown and sexy tonight. You know, the world is going to hell like it always is. Yeah, just leave them off, baby. Just leave them off. If you feel like it, Southernwood, you can turn that lamp on. Oh, yeah. Because it's getting grown and sexy in here. Hold on, folks. we got to set the mood right. Yeah, turn that lamp on. Now the world's going to hell and everybody seems to forget. Maybe this is callous of me. But all the pearl clutching going on in the wake of the mass shootings. It is, number one, absolutely tragic. Tragic that it happened. When life ends too soon, it should not But I've also read human history, you know. So people are like, what would drive somebody to do this? Well, you know, how about a bunch of little fires? Like all sorts of little things just keep going wrong and you don't keep your life going. You don't put out the little fires. You let them grow and grow until you're encased in flame, metaphorically speaking. You just can't take it anymore. And so you turn to somebody who says, oh, I can help you put out the fire. But it doesn't put out the fire. It just makes the flames grow further and further. And then they tell you, well, you should enjoy the flames. The fire is good. Now take it out on others. It could be from a place of anger and resentment. What the hell was Siri trying to say there? No clue. She could be talks to me. from a place of anger and resentment. Like, let's go way back to the dawn of man. And I'm not talking, we're not getting to a, a show about evolution we'll right now. We'll go to dawn of human history. Yes. I, I, I think you could take that as history. By the way, at a side it, note, a tangent, I do want to do a show on evolution at some point. I, not me, myself, but have some folks in the studio and talk about the issue from all sorts of different perspectives. Sure. Because I actually found a, a debate with two people that are evolutionary biologists, but they're disagreements over the exact uh, nature of it. That would be a so, good show. There's all sorts of things we could get into, but no, let's go back to the dawn of man, or at least the dawn of human history. There you go. Probably started as an oral tradition, but it was finally written down. So imagine that you have a brother. You know. Not a brother, brother. Not like that brother, brother. But a brother. Yeah. Like a brother. I'm not talking about somebody, you know, drinks a lot and, 
you know, sneaks a soma in your drink, so you pass out in your spaghetti. <laughs> Hilarious. I'm not talking about wrestling brother, brother. No, I'm talking about a real brother, a blood brother. Like wheel brother. Yeah, like, like yeah, exactly. You know, imagine your brother, he does his work, whatever he's doing. Say he becomes like, he's a really great student in school, top of his class, goes on to medical school, starts up a residency somewhere, then becomes like a world-renowned doctor, and people praise him. Your brother can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you go out and you make your own life pretty good. Like you get a steady job, you start up a family, but everybody on the family is always just kind of looking down at you like... You know, you're not as good as your brother. We don't we don't actually say it, but just the way we tilt our heads. And like, yeah. mm, you're not. If only you could have been as good as him. Yeah. Or maybe you're literally giving a sacrifice to the Lord. Say like your brother keeps flocks, like sheep, goats, these sorts of things. And you work the soil. And over the course of time, you bring, after tilling the, the soil and planting these great crops, and you harvest, and you bring the fruits of that soil, and you offer them up to the Lord Almighty. And your brother comes in. He's been working with his livestock. And he offers up some of the fattiest portions up to the Lord Almighty. And the Lord looks down. He goes, man, I like those fatty portions. That lives, that's some good livestock. Those uh, those fruits and veggies you brought over, not that great. It's a side dish. Right. And say, you know, but you put a lot of work into that side dish. But you're you're not getting any any notoriety for it. You're not getting even a that a boy or a pat on the back, so you end up angry and your face is downcast. And the Lord looks at you and said, why are you so angry? Why is your face so sullen? Why are you looking down? If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? Won't life work out? Even without praise for what you're offering up to people and to me? If you, do what, if you don't do what's right, though, sin will be at your doorstep. And it'll desire to have you. It'll be crouching there, ready to pounce. Of course, folks, I'm sitting here paraphrasing. It's literally right in front of me. Cain and Abel. Genesis. Mm-hmm. How would Donald Trump? Genesis. Genesis 4. Genes- one Genesis. <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my f- one of, that is my favorite Donald Trump story. I love the Bible. Two Corinthians. I love the Bible more than anything, as it is said in 2 Corinthians. <laughs> I love that. <sighs> Like, but you here's might the love thing. the Bible, but you have never been in church, dude. There is so <laughs> much wisdom packed into just this simple few verses. Whether it start, I, I believe it did start as an oral tradition, a story that people would say. Well, now, I mean that, that. I mean that's proven out. Yeah, I mean that's proven out the way that it's written <clears throat> because I mean it's recorded that Moses wrote the first four the the uh, first four uh, books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, mm-hmm. Deuteronomies, and he wrote those while they were 
wandering around, which was at the end of Deuteronomy. Sure. I mean, that, so, I mean, it but was it's, it's all clearly oral history. Oral history, too, it does, like any story, you have to keep it pretty straightforward, keep it simple, and somewhat memorable. So after, you know, Cain is all butthurt over his offerings from the soil not being praised by God, you know, you know the story, folks. Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field, bro, so I can kill you. And he does kill him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Now, before I say the next line, folks, imagine the guy in Dayton who shot up his own sister, including many other folks. Mm. He's dead. Police were there very quickly. And honestly, at the end of the day, we can try to prevent these things and try to stop the fear and the resentment and the anger and the depression and the... Despair, I think is the word, that leads people to do these things, whether they take it out on themselves. Let's remember the vast majority of homicides or deaths due to gun violence are suicides. Right. And some people don't take it out on themselves. They take it out on others. But once it's going, somebody's got the gun and they're walking into the store, walking into Walmart or Pulse nightclub or the movie theater or wherever, an elementary school... The only way to respond to that in that moment is to fire back. And the police in Dayton fired back and they killed the SOB. But imagine this guy shot up the Walmart in El Paso. When they asked him, why'd you do this? I mean, we read your manifesto. You seem a little racist, number one. As well as worried about overpopulation and all these zero-sum theories that if some people are doing well, it means another group of people have to be doing worse. Right. That's nonsense. Basic economics can teach you that's nonsense, but fair enough. It's not like every freaking aspect of human existence is like war or a football game. No, in the real world, we actually can all win. To a certain extent. Yeah. But imagine this guy shot up the Walmart in El Paso and was asked, why'd you do this? We've read your manifesto. We've looked into your life story, the best that we can tell. Why'd you do this? Imagine he's kind of pushed back and said, what, am I my brother's keeper? I am all for the new data and the new studies and the new techniques being brought to bear on understanding why people would do this. Absolutely. It's what we need in such an emotional situation and how the politics is not serving us well. I can't remember the name of the group. The Los Angeles Times published it the first uh, this weekend. Um, they've been on the media rounds and they essentially boil down, <clears throat> looking at hundreds of mass shooters, what are the commonalities? And childhood trauma was definitely one. They study other mass shooters, so they're, they're mimicking other people. They feel like, oh, I don't feel, I, I don't feel a connection or like I know anybody else like me, but I, I actually, I, I resonate. I, I can relate to that guy who did that thing in New Zealand. So I'm all for these studies. I'm all for sound laws that don't violate people's rights. I'm all for all the solutions we're bringing up.
but we do not have to recreate the wheel, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine if this shooter or any of the number of shooters in the last few years said, am I my brother's keeper? It's right there at the beginning of written history. It's not complicated. And you can read the Bible. You can read incredible, great literature, poetry. The answer has been mulled over time and time again. So it's not complicated. I think we forget, because life is so good, that just stuff, like material well-being, does not equal spiritual well-being. Yeah, and I think that's one of those things, Joey, and there are so many of those throughout life, and I mean, all kind of circumstances. The answer is very simple. It's very simple. But it's not easy. No. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. That is as simple as it goes. Yeah. It's not easy. Very difficult. When your neighbor has a dog that's coming over crapping in your yard every day. And you want to get, you know, ticked off because, dude, get your dog out of my yard. And that's just a very minute, simple thing. But that can escalate into... I don't like the way he cuts his grass. I don't like the way his soffits need to be painted. I've got a beautiful house here. I mean, my soffits are in, in dynamite shape. But Riley Manning just came out here and painted them. Right. You know, everything's fixed up and everything's nice. And, you know, you're living in a dump and you cut your grass every three weeks. It's the little things pile up. I mean, it's simple. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go over there and say, hey, man, I'll cut your grass for you. Right. Or when you're cutting your grass, just reach over there and get his. And But we it, it, we like to complain, I think, a lot of times more than try to resolve a problem. And this, this new stuff on uh, these little rectangular boxes, computers we keep in our pockets right. now. Right, right. You know, with all these, you know, neighborhood watch, city watch, you know, what have you, Hope Hall watch, Pent Lala watch. I mean, they're everywhere. You want to complain about, you know, why is so-and-so happening in front of my house? Go go ask your neighbor. I mean, they're the one you're complaining about. Don't go in front of a a large audience and hide behind uh a little television screen that you keep in your pocket. Go, go talk to them. Have a personal relationship with them and, and speak to them. Well, and some people, I think, they fall into this fear. They fall into resentment. They fall. They become very angry and their face is downcast. Because maybe they offer something to the world and people reject it. Maybe they feel like they have nothing to offer. I think, you know, a discussion earlier today got going. Uh, I mean, isn't, is racism a mental illness? I, don't, I think racism is illogical, wrong, just stupid at bottom. But, uh, no, not necessarily. Because I think what happens, it happens with people that ISIS has recruited in the past, happens with any radical group. They look for people who are mentally unstable. That doesn't mean they necessarily have, like, a clear mental illness like a clearly defined illness but it could be from drug addiction it could be they don't have any family and friends those people are ripe to be picked by extreme ideologies and why why they're ripe is that ideology ideology comes along and goes 
hmm, if you just follow this ideology, every dot and tittle, then your life will have meaning and purpose. And I, th- I think I think that's where it goes to. But people, young people especially, they don't have an identity. Yeah. And and this is going to sound horrible and crass. And you you may not even believe this or agree with me. No, and you probably won't. But it's it's unbelievable. These people that are shooting these things up and doing this crazy stuff and i'm not talking about chicago i'm I'm sick and tired of hearing all this well that was a mass shooting in chicago guy shot four people yeah it was a drug deal went wrong he shot four people or four people were killed it was a territorial dispute yeah Yeah. that that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the dude uh in ohio that walks in a bar and shoots 11 random people including his own sister is that's the only thing that could change that? Am you I know, my sister's keeper? The guy in Las Vegas that supposedly the one guy that killed fifty people and shot seven thousand people with one gun. But those things, people don't have a direction in general, and I think the reason people don't have direction is because they don't have fathers. And I'm sorry, all you mothers out there, look. I've been married for 23 years now to my wife. We have four beautiful children. My wife does a hell of a lot more than I do as far as taking care and working at the house and keeping the children grown, getting them where they're supposed to be. She has much more responsibility on that side of the coin. However, I think without a father, you don't have direction in your life. And then you end up like Abel was and you end up envious because mm-hmm. why did this guy? I mean, maybe Adam was a terrible dad. It's possible. Maybe he, he liked, was, you know, kind no. of the guy who did the fall to begin with. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, to be honest, we're not given all the details. Like you said, it's oral history, right? So you don't get that. We long for details, but you you can't put all the details <laughs> in if you're writing down an honest oral history. You have to just hit the high points, right? But maybe Adam was a terrible dad, and he loved Abel and spent time with him and took him fishing and, and did all those kind of things, you know, played baseball with him. And and, and then when Cain came along, he was like, oh, another boy. And he was, yeah, okay, and just kind of left him alone. And maybe Abel was just, and we, I mean, Cain was just like we talked about. I think it's more envy is that, you know, you take that story, and Cain was envious of what Abel had. Yes. Not that he was even jealous of him. No, he It was envy. just, I want what that guy's got. He got acceptance, you know, from the big guy upstairs, and I didn't. It's envy as well as the initial anger towards the authority for not accepting and not praising him for all the hard work he put in. And then that's where you get butthurt is a word that came up at some point tonight. He gets butt hurt, hurt instead of saying, okay, what do I need to do to change myself to be more like Abel? He just said, no, I hate him because mm. he was accepted. He did it right the first time. Or what do I need to do to be a better version of me? And that yeah. is, and like I said, this is just Clay's opinion, not Joey's, mine. That's daddy's role. 
Mm-hmm. Daddy's role is when you come home and say, well, the teacher didn't like so-and-so, or coach is not letting me start. Had a child, exact thing happened to me. Had a child come home. I should be starting. The coach is not starting me. I said, go to the coach, ask him. I'm not the coach. Get better. Right. But, no, I'm better than that girl. And I was like, apparently you're not. Right. I didn't say, oh, yes, you you are. You're, you're always just right. right yeah. No, I said, no, you're not. Yeah. She says, yes, I am. And actually, she was. But I said, he's the coach. I'm not the coach. You go to him and ask him, what things do I need to improve on to start or play front and back row? Tell me. Right. And you change yourself and get better. You know, the example you're giving. Don't blame somebody else. Well, and the the example, also respect for the coach. Even if the coach is wrong, respect the coach. Yeah, you know, that's right. You're reminding me of a lyric: uh, "Upload a child with no father, download no respect for authority." On the other hand, upload a child with no mother, download a hard time showing love. I think also to the identity crisis for a lot of people, they don't look to themselves and going, "Hmm, how can I be a better version of me? How can I be a better person than I was?" yesterday now obviously folks i'm leaving off the table there are actual legitimate like just biological problems with people you remember what was the texas bell tower shooter he literally it was years ago and he shot all these people up but he knew what he was doing was crazy he just couldn't control himself he literally had a brain tumor pushing on a part of his brain oh yeah yeah so there are literally people that like Jamie hendrix wrote a song about it yeah i mean there's it would be amazing if we could solve a lot of the evil in the world by actually fixing people in a medical sense. But I think there's also, looking at the restrained vision of human nature, we are fallen and prone to evil, and often directed that way. It's very easy to fall into it. And I keep coming back to this line, though. I keep coming back to this line. It's, well, Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Did I say that right, or did I go, O'Donnie? I grew up Catholic. I'm not good at this stuff. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? This is the Lord talking to Cain. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. I think often, especially being raised Catholic, the idea of sin is like, don't you look at those dirty movies, Joey, and engage in self-abuse. Don't you have that Mm -hmm. dirty thought. Don't you lie or steal or all this stuff. And those are all sins. Those are all ways to miss the mark. Right. However, I think sin, that very imagery of crouching at your door and desires to have you, it's not always as simple as oh, I said a bad word, or I had an impure thought, or I didn't do the best I could today. much deeper than that. Yes, it is. And often that sin crouching at your door, folks, desiring to have you and consume you can be that you failed in little ways day after day after day. And when the big bad monster, whether it's an ideology that is just wicked or whatnot, comes knocking at your door, you have no defense for it. And in fact, you might think it's your salvation. What it is, the sin crouching at your door, and this is the way I understand it and the way I would put it. Not saying and I have not been to seminary. I don't know any more than anybody else. The sin crouching at your door, you just you just laid it up perfectly. 
is that there had to be, because if you go back to the beginning of that 4-7 verse, mm-hmm. when, when the Lord is speaking to Cain and says, if you do what's right. If you do what's right means you had an understanding previously or were told what to do. Yeah. Apparently, the only way that I can read that is he was supposed to sacrifice an animal. And that ties back in. You get a little complicated, but it goes into without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. From when Adam originally sinned and God killed the animal, made skins for them and covered them, gave Mm -hmm. them a covering. Apparently, Cain knew that without the shedding of blood, and I look at the story from a little different aspect that sin was sitting outside of him and says, you know, I grow a lot better tomatoes than old Abel does over there. My zucchinis well, his, are a lot. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're stupid just delicious. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, my goats, they're not as pretty as his, but... And so he offered his best, but it wasn't what he was asked to offer. Right. It's just like if Going back to the example of my daughter mm-hmm. playing volleyball, she might strike real good. And he's like, no, you're supposed to set. You're supposed to be a setter. That's what I commanded you as coach. Right. And you're up there hitting the ball instead of setting the ball. It's bump, set, spike. And it's and so even though maybe, yeah, you know, that's a pretty decent hit. But that's not what you're supposed to do. Well, and you're you're, you're supposed to be the setter. Well, in talking about your own family, you're laying out a point I wanted to make. This lesson obviously applies more, and I apologize for actually I apologize for nothing. I don't want to apologize for taking all to church a little bit because anybody's been listening to me for a while knows my general perspective. But there's a lot of wisdom here. This lesson applies to much more than just people that say go full bore. And do these horrendous, tragic, violent things. I mean, it can be, I didn't pay attention enough to my friends. I'm not looking after my brother or my sister. I mean, and you have to ask yourself, folks, when you're held to account and somebody says, hey, did you do the right thing today? And you say, am I my brother's keeper? How many times are we saying that? And how many ways do we say that? And especially because it seems unpleasant. Fortunately, at this point in my life, my bailiwick is political news and all the junk that comes out of the halls of power and the news media that covers it. Is I see that around every corner. People saying, well, am I my yeah. brother's keeper? Well, look at how full of crap you are, so I can be full of crap now that it's to my advantage. That happens all the time. Hypocrisy is a virtue in politics. Well, And that's all we can do as humankind. I think we should be our brother's keeper in this yes and this as far as it goes and i think we all have friends and we see them doing things and you look at them and say you know look here you got to stop that you know you're drinking too much right i notice it because i know you right i've been around you you know you're smoking three packs of cigarettes a day at least cut down and then it's up to that other person to change you can't force someone to change and say you've got to stop doing this but if 
you let them die, you're going to go to your grave mm-hmm. thinking, I never said anything about him, you know, drinking and driving. I never said anything to him about, you know, name the sin you want to name. And I should have because well, I cared about it. And also there's one way I think a lot of people end up asking, well, in a fairly self-deceiving way, am I my brother's keeper? Well, of course I am. Uh, the government takes care of that for me. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, of course, the, my church takes care of that. I go to the church, but yeah. they do it for me. The, the, the leaders do it for me. Now, nobody can say do that's it for a cop you. out. It is. And on this identity question, I do worry because I've been through this myself. Is a lot of people, especially the young people, you want to know why like all these different gender identifications are out there? I mean, some of it is just the bleeding hearts, I think, are, are trying to play language games in order to mollify everybody's, you know, potentially hurt feelings. That's one explanation. I think a lot of people are identifying as all these different things because they don't have a clear identity of who they are. They haven't accomplished something that they're actually proud of. So what do we talk about? Oh, my favorite movies, my favorite music. I'm not downplaying all how important art can be, especially yeah. music. No, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. But you're more than the music you listen to, the movies you will go watch, the job you work, and how you identify, whether it's your sexuality or your gender or your political party, or even who your family is. It's like, what did you do in relation to all those things? Yeah, what are you Yes, Joey, what are you? Don't tell me what your daddy did. Don't tell me what your mama did. Don't tell me where you came from. And And if I'm honest, Joey's talking here, I'm still figuring that out. Well, and that's fine as long as you're honest about it. And and I would go a lot further than you're willing to go. That is daddy's role. Yeah. On a lighter note... I told you this off air. I'll, I'll, I thought we were supposed to be funny tonight. Yeah, well, I'm, you never know. I'm mercurial that way, like our beloved orange president. I wish I understood what that word meant. I'm going to get my dictionary out there in the Yeah, break. you've got that powerful device right there in your hands. Just look up mercurial, all right? If I knew how to spell it, I would. <laughs> but I told you this off air. I'll put it in a more uh, diplomatic way. I did all these back squats today. Like 35 of them, 225 on my back on the bar. No, you didn't tell me. You were like bragging about how much you had increased mm -hmm. since you started going to this place. Yeah, going to Express Fitness 24-7. I was going to let you say the name. I'm I'm going to steal the name. I'm just saying that anybody else working here, watch out. I'm doing all these squats, all these deadlifts, all these workouts. I'm going to have the best caboose at Blue Water Broadcasting, okay? I don't know. You better watch out. I, it's going to look good. I ain't going to say your name, but there's no. No, I'm going to look good. <laughs> I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just going to say I got the best backside in the business. All right, baby? If I keep up on these squats, I'm doing that at Express Fitness 24-7. <laughs> so absurd. Uh, I'm loving it. And beyond the vanity of, oh, my, my chest looks good, my arms look good, my butt looks good, whatever. Legs are popping, brother. No, it's really a great mental discipline for me. It helps me sort of set myself right in the morning. I feel great afterwards. And you don't have to be lifting all this weight. You can do whatever it is. Get you that little bit of exercise. 
Go check out Express Fitness 24-7, expressfitness24.com. I'm going to the Zelda Road location at the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center, working out with Alex. He's the owner over there. Give him a call. Go uh, on by and check out the place. They can help you meet your fitness goals, and I love that it's month to month. There's a one-time monthly sign-up fee. You get the key fob, so you have access 24-7, and then it's, I think, like 30 bucks a month after that. Month to month. No long-term contract. Yeah. And it's right there in the name. It's steady. Minute of the day. 24-7, yeah, 365. So check them out, expressfitness24.com, expressfitness247.com. It's doing wonders for me and my backside, but also my brain. We'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. share another quote I just shared with my good friend Southernwood off air. You can try to be the president, all you 2020 Democrats, whether it's Liz Warren, just little Bernie Sanders on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> Pocahontas. Crazy Bernie. Uh, but you can try to be the president. You too, Donnie. I'd rather be the Pope. Be the side effect. I'd rather be the dope. But there's this one guy. If you don't understand that, think harder better to reach the spirit and the hearts of people than, you know, boss them around and bully them around. He owned Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's a very um, public scientist speaker. He's very gifted in terms of his speaking ability and putting things in perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't always agree with the guy, but hot off the heels of overcoming a Me Too scandal. He was accused of sexual harassment in the workplace. He actually had his day in court and pretty much showed this was a bunch of bull. So right after his name is cleared, I wonder how many people actually think his name is cleared, though. Damage of adjudicating these things in public. And you know what? Maybe it's partially what we needed. Some people got hurt and falsely accused, but some of the big boys rightfully got accused and good riddance. I think a few of us can take a few false accusations, take out people like Cosby and Weinstein and Epstein and blah, blah, blah. But hot off the heels of clearing his name for sexual impropriety, Neil deGrasse Tyson had this hot take Sunday evening. This is after the two mass shootings happened this past weekend. He said, quoting his tweet, In the past 48 hours, the USA horrifically lost 34 people in mass shootings. I think the number is now 36. Yeah, I think that's right. Maybe 37. Yeah. I mean, what's happening is... I think it went from 19 to 22. Yeah. There are people in critical condition at the hospital. Some of them don't make it. 
But he said, anyway, let's say 37. Let's call it around number 40 people have died in the last 48 hours due to mass shootings. Neil deGrasse Tyson goes on. On average, across any 48 hours, we all lose 500 people to medical errors. 300 people to the flu. 250 people to suicide. 200 people to car accidents. And 40 people to homicide via handguns. Much like probably what's going on in Chicago weekend after weekend. He ends his tweet, Neil deGrasse Tyson does, for with this. Often our emotions respond more to spectacle than to data. And I think he has all oh, people got talk about being butthurt. People got so mad at Neil deGrasse Tyson for that saying that is spot on. Well, and given now we have a data point from some pretty damn good research that part of what inspires mass shooters to do what they do is watching the spectacle that is around other mass shooters. There is truly this mirroring effect that goes on. It's like, I'm feeling this way, and I've thought about it, and there's that person that actually did it. That's why these things come in in threes or fours. You see one mass shooting, there's usually a few. Start really with that Gilroy garlic festival. Well, and that's the thing. Gen- generally, things, for some reason, and this is throughout, I mean, you name it, things happen in threes for some reason. I mean, it's and it's it's a little it's well, not a little morbid. It is morbid. If you have a friend of yours that dies, be waiting on two more people that you know to die. I mean, it's going to happen in threes. Mm-hmm. No, he got taken to task by several people because, of course, you know, people really didn't understand his final point. Our emotions respond more to the spectacle than data. Yeah, I mean, just look at the budget resolution Congress passed for two years. We aren't responding to the data. We respond to the latest crisis in politics. But one responder on Twitter wrote back to Neil deGrasse Tyson after what he, I think, made a fantastic point. They responded this way because they're, they're just, they got to get the science guy. Don't you understand the people are dying? He's like, yeah, that was kind of my point. The guy said this in response to Neil deGrasse Tyson. You can learn from errors, Mr. Scientist. You can heal from flu. You can love life. You can drive safely. But even if you choose to live a safe, healthy life, you can do nothing against an American terrorist. You can't even make a choice because a stupid white virgin boy has decided that you must die. Sounds like a reason to respond. Yeah. Well... Yes, you, you can learn from errors, medical or otherwise, but uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean... Still dead. Yeah. Somebody died due to that medical error, and you try to correct that error going forward so another person doesn't die, but the person's still dead. You can heal from the flu. You can. Most people do. But many people, despite good medicine, good treatment, uh, don't survive the flu. Getting 300 people in 48 hours on average or so die from the flu. You can love life, yes. I, by the way, I love this response. If somebody's really depressed and suicidal, just cheer up, man. Just love life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to kill myself faster now. I'm going to do it tomorrow, but I'll just do it tonight. 
If you if you say that oh, to anybody Lord. that's down, you have never experienced don't what depression is. I guarantee you. So you can love life, but the life lovers because you know in general they're not typically the people that commit suicide. You know when you're depressed, generally you're just sitting around going, "Man, I feel like I'm walking through cement." I mean, I, I can't move. I don't want to wake up. I don't. Yeah. I can't sleep. I can't get up. I don't want to go to work. Don't have motivation. And you, and, yeah. you, you, and, and you're thinking, I love this. I, the last thing I want to do is just cheer up. I, if somebody mm-hmm. would just tell me to cheer up, then I could shake all this concrete off of me. Right. And I would be just fine. Right. And I would be just bouncing around, and I'd be happy. Yeah, no. I ain't out words, dude. Well, and it's also talk, and I'm saying this as a talk show host, talk is cheap. We must call out racism bigotry. Yet you've been calling it out for years. Did it stop this guy? Talk is cheap. And there, I think, is a good argument to be made that if a culture at large starts accepting crazy, evil, ideological ideas, say like, you know, Nazi Germany, not everybody in Nazi Germany was crazy. The Nazi party took over that country. Yes, this country. Somebody called earlier today and brought up the lynchings in the South for so long. Not everybody that went to one of those lynchings and cheered it on and treated it as spectacle and sport were crazy. They were just caught up in, I think, groupthink and uh, and driven by a terrible ideology. Saw others as less than human. So it's not always, oh, somebody's crazy. Ideology can take you over. But... Here's the thing. You can also try to drive safely on the roads, but occasionally when you you wait, the light's green, you look both ways, you go, and you get T-boned. Yeah. Accidents happen. And similar way, I mean, in a much worse way, you might one day be at Walmart and somebody comes in and shoots up the place. And despite your best efforts, you might get killed. By the terrorist, by an unsafe driver, by a medical error, by the flu. Tyson's most important point of his tweet is his last sentence. And many of the people who are all upset over the fact that he tweeted it are proving his point. That we respond to spectacle, our emotions do, more than data. And I've really had weird thoughts like that. Is it better for somebody to die of some slow-burning, terrible disease like cancer or just died a terrorist attack. Yeah, and I, I, I go back and forth Both on that. Both are pretty awful. Yeah. And terrible. But the you know the suffering Olympics, the idea, no, I've suffered more than you. <laughs> it's just not a good road to go down. We all suffer. And some people do suffer more than others, and it's clear, but it's not exactly the right conversation to be having. Well, the uh, one other response in that or my response to the response of the tweet is when the guy says we need to call out racism. Yeah, we do. We do. When it's racism. But racism has been equated to you don't agree with me 100% of the time. Therefore, you're a racist, Joey. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that comes from, and well, that's 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 my one problem with people calling Trump a racist. It's a and political. I'm not here to bang for him. 
I, I know what it is. It's a political but, trick. But I do it with everything. I, I, I understand that. The I don't right know, and the left. Yeah. Why do people fall for that though? Because I, it's I don't, simple. I don't get it. It's simple. It's emotional. It's that. It's that simple. It is a simple statement of emotion, and people respond to that. The most intelligent among us, and the most idiotic among us, the imbeciles and the high IQs. We do respond to emotional, especially claims. And the left does this all day long, so does the right. Like, I'm against minimum wage laws being raised. Because it'll, you know, a lot of people will lose jobs. Prices will go up in certain industries. It'll make it tough for the small business owner to run things. That's why I'm against it. I don't think, And it actually hurts people that are just trying to start out in the workforce. But the response is, you just hate the working poor. And so well, that's, No, that's not it. That, that, that's the perfect example. They would say, if you're against raising minimum wage, you're racist. Yes. And what they're saying, in essence, is black people, I'll say it straight out, mm-hmm. black people can only get jobs that make minimum wage. They can't get a quote-unquote real job mm-hmm. that pays a living wage. They can only get a minimum wage job. Which is ridiculous. And so we've got to raise it. it that. That's more racist calling the that soft, racist than it what, is. What's the term? Soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah. And and that's what kills me is, no. Well, that, and I've gotten this from the right, too. Like, if I'll, I'll criticize something about the country or really criticize something like, we shouldn't have gone into Iraq. Or we should get out of Afghanistan. Now, more. this is not the greatest example in terms of the here and now, because a lot of people have come around to this position. But I remember when it was pretty heated, I mean, people would quickly go to, you just don't, you don't support the troops. Yeah. Like, no, I don't like the policy. You don't love America. I want the troops to come home. Yeah. That's the common response. You don't love America, and you can get out. Well, and it's, it's, like, tied, it's that last statement. Mm-hmm. Everything from 9-11 was tied to we got to go kill folks in the Middle East, period, nonstop. Well, and that was my emotion as a young man seeing those buildings fall. My emotion wasn't like I'm scared. It was a little weird seeing adults freaked out. But I remember my emotion was like, we need to kill the people who did this. That, yeah. I, what, what, how old was I? That was 2001. So I was 12. 11, 12. And I remember that's exactly what I thought. We got to kill the people who did this. It's now gone on to be something much more than you know. Yeah, and see, my my children, my my children, and and Sydney's twenty one years old. She has no recollection of it except just what she has learned through the media and textbooks and history classes is all she knows about it. She didn't experience it. I mean, she was two. Right. Two and a half right. when, when that happened. I mean, she doesn't know. Sarah wasn't even born. Savannah wasn't born. Coleman wasn't born. And so, I mean, it's a new, it's like the way that I look at Vietnam. I know about Vietnam, but the only things I know about Vietnam are the things that I've been told and learned through the media and things that my parents right. have told me about. Same here. I, mean, I, 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 I didn't experience it. I wasn't there all day, every day, hearing it. And, you know, we lived through that, or at least I did. I was old enough. I lived through after 9-11, and I was. I was shaken when that happened because 
that don't happen over here. I mean, right. you see that in Israel, you see it in right. the Middle East somewhere, you know, somewhere in Europe. You know, it's like, man, that's really bad. But when it happened on our own soil, that changed the game, and that opened up that emotion for everybody, everybody to say, but, let's go get them. But here on the issue of the war on terror, I have to quote the genius Norm MacDonald. Folks, if we're really going to, you know, in just my opinion, Norm's opinion, I agree with them. If we're going to fight the war on terror, a good place to start would be our country's haunted houses. <laughs> that does it for the Joey Clark. And Radio there's Hour. 13 ghosts right here in Alabama. I learned about that in fourth grade. I love Norm McDonald. I heard him deliver that joke last night. I couldn't stop laughing for 20, 20, 30 seconds. It was just so good. I didn't do it justice because his cadence is beautiful. But oh, what a show. What a show. Yeah. So much for a light and funny show. Yeah, but I had, Thank to, you, Joey. I had to focus in on what's the actual issue. But again, folks, if we're going to fight the war on terror, we need to start with the country's haunted houses. I thought we were going to talk about keto crotch tonight. What the hell is that? Well, we didn't talk about it, so nobody knows Does about it. Get, it. like, extra sweaty or something? Mm-hmm. Well, we're out of time. I'm we looking are. at the hand tick. I mean, we're like... Yeah, you can hear my guitar. Five seconds. You hear my funky guitar, it means we're out of time. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll be back tomorrow, folks. Yeah, tune in later for keto crotch. Joey Clark.